this is the Mainly Plants Podcast. My name is Ryan Furman, and I am a certified plant-based nutritionist and personal trainer. The website is mainlyplants.com, social media at mainlyplants, uh, Amazon shopping. Go to mainlyplants.com slash Amazon. It'll take you right to Amazon. Helps me out so I can continue to do the podcast. Oh, you have to excuse me. My mouth's watering. I just, uh, I just made some homemade vegan tzatziki, which will change your life. Um, but so part of it is you have to grate a, um, a cucumber to put it in there. But what I do is I, I put, I take the, the shavings and I put them in a, like a strainer, like a very fine strainer. And then I push the water out into a bowl, the cucumber water out into a bowl, and then put that into my water bottle with some water. And it's like the best cucumber water you've ever had. It's fresh. It's got a ton of electrolytes in it. Oh, it's so good. So <clears throat> where was I? Was that all the housekeeping that I had? Who knows? But let's just get on with it. This week, we're talking about Alzheimer's. Okay? So, some people, or most, I think it's a very widely, uh, I don't want to say unappreciated, because uh, you should know about it, but uh, it's, it's not very well known in terms of just layman, right? You hear Alzheimer's, you think it's just a, a part of getting old, and that, you know, it's just memory loss, but there's more to it than that. Okay, so, I mean, Alzheimer's really wasn't heard of a century ago. It wasn't really a thing that people got. But now, it's the number six killer of Americans, and it kills over 93,500 people every year. In fact, US, U.S. deaths from Alzheimer's has risen more than 50% since 1999. So in the last 17, 18 years, it's gone up over 50%. So something's going on, right? Now, it's thought that cardiovascular disease contributes to the onset of Alzheimer's because of the way that uh, cardiovascular disease clogs the arteries, and, and or I should say clogged arteries lead to cardiovascular disease, but the clogged arteries um, leading to the brain are clogged and cut off blood, blood flow. And what happens, what, the way that Alzheimer's comes about is that brain cell connections and the cells themselves degenerate and die. And eventually, your memory gets destroyed and other important mental functions get destroyed. But it's thought that if you had a healthy supply of blood flow to the brain, that wouldn't be uh, as much of a factor or a factor at all. So what what is Alzheimer's in, in terms of symptoms, right? What, what, what happens when you have it? Well, there are cognitive symptoms, and those include mental decline, difficulty thinking and understanding, confusion, uh, in usually in evening hours, delusion, disorientation, forgetfulness. Uh, you like people who have Alzheimer's make things up because they just don't know. Uh, just general mental confusion, difficulty concentrating, inability to create new memories. So not only do you lose your old memories, but you that center of your brain's greatly impaired. So you have trouble making new memories. Inability to do things like simple math, and inability to recognize common things, especially you know uh, family and friends that you've known for years. There are also behavioral symptoms, and those include aggression, agitation. Difficulty with self-care, irritability, um, meaningless repetition of words. So, so they'll just say the same thing over and over again. Personality changes, obviously. 
lack of restraint, and wandering or getting lost. That's kind of a no-brainer because they can't remember. There are symptoms that deal with mood also, right? And again, anger, apathy, general discontent, loneliness, and mood swings. There's also depression, hallucinations, paranoia. Uh, Alzheimer's also in, uh, causes loss of appetite, so weight loss, and restlessness. And another common symptom is the inability to combine muscle movements or have you have jumbled speech, right? Because the muscle movements in your jaw and your throat. So it doesn't sound very fun, right? I mean, even if they say when you get old, it's either your brain is there and your body goes or your body is there and your brain goes. Now, I don't know which one's worse. I don't know how that question can be answered, but it's got to be hell not remembering things, not knowing where you are, who's taking care of you, or not remembering your son or your daughter or, or you know, your grandchildren. Uh, I've, it, it gives me anxiety because I feel like I'd be very lost. So I can't imagine. It'd be a very terrible disease to, to have. Um, but that's kind of why we're talking about it today. Okay? There's evidence that your diet can increase your risk of developing this terrible, terrible disease, Alzheimer's. Foods like pork, um, the hormones and the steroids in dairy, blue-green algae, spirulina, which is a type of blue-green algae. Um, and the reason for blue-green algae and spirulina, you might be thinking, why would a plant cause this? Well, these supplements that contain algae and spirulina were found to contain liver toxins and neurotoxins. So actually in 2009, there was a potent neurotoxin found in spirulina. So, you know, weigh it, weigh it, weigh it. You know, if you're taking it every day, maybe don't. So it depends on what you're taking it for also. But things like copper, which is found in meat, glycotoxins, which are primarily found in chicken, BMA, which is a neurotoxin found in fish, Aluminum, which is commonly found in cheese and dairy products, and iron supplements um, have all been shown to potentially increase the risk of Alzheimer's, of contracting Alzheimer's. Now, the risk that poultry, meat, and seafood eaters have is about triple the risk of people who have been longtime vegetarians. So not even vegan or 100% plant-based, but consuming flesh you are tripling your risk of getting Alzheimer's. Now, the reason for this is because high-fat, high-protein foods like those are high in glycotoxins, which are a main contributor. Uh, it's thought to be a main contributor of Alzheimer's. Okay, so like I said, most people think that Alzheimer's is just a result of getting old, which is false. Not every old person has Alzheimer's. So what is it? Well, like I said, studies have shown that there are particular foods and spices that can prevent and or slow Alzheimer's down. Now, some of these include saffron, coffee, for all your coffee lovers out there, ginger, apple juice, beans, vitamin D, vitamin B12, Whole grains, now remember, when we talk about whole grains, that doesn't mean white bread. That doesn't even mean wheat bread. 
it means whole grains. So if you're going to buy something that is packaged as, excuse me, packaged as whole grains, the first ingredient should say whole whatever grain. Unless you're going to, unless you're buying the whole grains in bulk and cooking with them yourself, which is great also. Um, and of course, fruits, whole fruits and vegetables. Okay. Also turmeric. Uh, it's been shown that just a teaspoon of turmeric a day has shown to help improve the cognitive function of those who already are plagued with Alzheimer's. So we're talking about the brain, you know, and it is, it's very important. You know, I talk a lot about keeping your body healthy, right? Keeping your body fat content down, keeping your digestive tract healthy, keeping your cardiovascular system healthy. The brain, for some reason, I think gets left out a lot. And I'm not sure why. Uh, I'm guilty of it also. But it's something that we can't ignore, right? What we eat affects our entire body, including our brain. So, Alzheimer's, like I said, it's got to be very difficult to not remember things, to, to forget things all the time, to, and not only that, but, you know, you're, you get irritable, which is understandable if you can't remember things. It's got to be very frustrating, but it's also frustrating on your friends and family. It's got to be difficult for the loved ones around you. So like I said many times in this podcast, what you eat and the way that you take care of yourself is not just, it's not directly correlated with you. It's not, it doesn't directly affect just you. It affects everybody in your life. So, you know, it, I hate saying it, but if you're not going to do it for yourself, do it for your friends and family. Because if you love them, then you should want to be with them and you should want to take care of them. And if they have to spend, you know, not even just money, but untold hours and, and heartache because you can't remember them, maybe because of smarter food and exercise choices that you could have made, why not take that, take that chance, you know, or why take that chance? Why not, why not treat your body a little bit better is kind of what I'm getting to. Okay. I mean, we get to that on every podcast, but it's very important. So you heard me mention, um, ginger in there and I decided to look at ginger as the as the vegetable or the plant of the week this week because of that. You know, ginger is obviously great for a lot of things, but being that it's in one of the plants that can help prevent or slow down the process of Alzheimer's, let's take a look at it. Ginger's got a ton of health benefits. Um, The first being that it helps prevent stroke and heart disease. So you know that two of the biggest killers on the planet um, are heart disease and stroke. And they can be kept at bay with ginger use, especially when eaten and combined with other superfoods like garlic or onions, um, things like that that have anti-blood clotting abilities. So when you combine those with ginger, uh, it boosts ginger's stroke and heart attack uh, defenses. So ginger's great. Um, it also helps indigestion and nausea. Okay, so it's been used obviously for for thousands of years as a an effective digestive aid and a natural remedy for nausea, even morning sickness. Recently, Taiwanese researchers discovered that three capsules, which is about a total of 1.2 grams of ginger, 
can actually help the stomach release its contents into the small intestines in people with dyspepsia. Dyspepsia, my, my, I'm sorry. And now dyspepsia is a condition in which 40% of the patients suffer from abnormally delayed gastric emptying. Now, this is one reason why ginger helps people who are bloated and constipated and have other gastrointestinal disorders. It relaxes the smooth muscle in your gut lining and helps food move through the system. Um, eating whole ginger or drinking fresh ginger or inhaling diffused ginger essential oil are all effective ways to curb stomach disorders. Okay, um, let's go on. Malabsorption, right? So proper food transport and nutrient absorption from the mouth um, out through your colon is, is, you know, the mainstay to health. I've talked about it a million times. Your gut is where most of your immune system lives because of that microbiome, because of that flora. Now, if food gets stuck somewhere in between, it can ferment and rot and cause obstruction, which can potentially be life-threatening. Improper digestion can also cause improper assimilation of the nutrients in your food, right? If you're not digesting right, you're not going to get all those nutrients that you should otherwise be getting. Now, either way, both cause malabsorption and your body suffers from nutrient deficiencies. Now, this is why ginger is so good for you. Like I talked about before, it helps promote regular digestion and uh, metabolism of your food and is largely responsible for promoting a strong immune system because it is so good for your gut. So, eat your ginger. Um, now, it also helps respiratory function. Now, Ayurvedic medicine, which is, you know, thousands of years old, has praised ginger's ability to boost the immune system before there was even any kind of recorded history. Just talked about orally, okay? Now, Ayurvedic medicine believes that because ginger is so effective at warming the body... It can help break down the accumulation of toxins in your organs. It's also known to cleanse the lymphatic system, which is kind of the body's sewage system. Not sure if you guys have heard of lymphatic drainage, um, or if, you, if you've ever heard of KT tape. Um, if you ever watch like the, the Olympic sports where they have um, volleyball and they have like those weird colored tape on, on their arms and on their backs, it's called KT tape. And what it does is it improves lymphatic drainage, helps your body heal, helps your body recover. Um, you can also get lymphatic drainage massages, which are very relaxing. It's just like barely even pressing on your skin. It's great. Um, but so it, it's like I said, it ginger can help cleanse that lymphatic system. Now, by opening up these lymphatic channel, channels and keeping things clean, ginger can help prevent the accumulation of toxins that make you susceptible to infections. You know, especially in things like the respiratory system. And when you combine ginger oil with eucalyptus oil, it is uh, it's amplified in terms of boosting immunity and improving breathing. So if you have asthma, look into that. It's also good for bacterial infections. Uh, the Journal of Microbiology and Antimicrobials published a study in 2011 that tested just how effective ginger is at enhancing immune function. Comparing the ability of ginger to, ginger to kill uh, Staphylococcus and Streptococcus with conventional antibiotics, there were some researchers in Nigeria that discovered that the natural solution won. And not only did it win, it won every single time. 
there are a bunch of different drugs to help treat those types of infections. And they just, they just didn't have the same power, powerful antibacterial properties as the ginger extract that they used. Now, this is important because these two bacteria are extremely common in hospitals and oftentimes cause complications to an already immune-compromised patient, right? So you're sitting in the, in the hospital, your immune system's already down. Um, that's why there's a lot of um, staph infections that are, that are contracted at hospitals. But ginger is a fantastic remedy to that. Now, if you're ever in the hospital, um, whether because it's you or you're visiting somebody there, make sure you bring some ginger oil with you. And you can add a couple drops to your water. It's going to decrease your, well, I should say, if you can, if you can, if you're the one who's injured, maybe you can't grab some ginger oil on the way out, but you can have somebody bring some to you. But it, uh, it'll greatly reduce your chances of getting a staph infection. And it can also, you know, speed the healing process. So get some. You should just have some lying around the house anyway. You know, a lot of people, you see a lot of people selling those uh, essential oils and you think it's kind of like a scheme. But those essential oils actually are really good. I have a few here that I use frequently. Um, you can get them for digestion, for um, you know calming, lavender oil, stuff like that. Um, but you can just pop them in like, a couple drops in water and it makes your water taste good and you get a lot of health benefits. So I highly recommend looking into buying a few essential oils to keep around the house. Ginger is also good for fung fungal infections. Um, one of the trickier issues to control because they are increasingly resistant to conventional medicine are fungal inf infections, and ginger really helps wipe them out. Now, of the 29 plant species evaluated uh, in a study done at Carleton University, ginger won for having the most effective kills of fungus. So, uh, just more reason to have ginger. Now, it's also good for ulcers and GERD, okay? Since the 1980s, researchers have known that ginger can cure stomach ulcers. Now, more recently, uh, some scientists in India have been able to more closely quantify this medicinal effect. Now, there was a study published in the journal Molecular Nutrition and Food Research, and they discovered that ginger was six to eight times more potent than Prevacid, and Prevacid is kind of the go-to drug for GERD. So ginger, get some. It's also good for pain. Uh, it's very similar to how capsaicin works to relieve pain. Um, gingerol acts on what are called uh, venyloid receptors, and those are located on nerve endings. Yeah, it's similar to the initial intense burning you feel when you, get, when you consume spicy pepper, but ginger's burn only lasts like a second. And researchers discovered that it affects the pain pathways directly, but also relieves inflammation, which is the cause of pain itself. Number nine, cancer. Now, working with mice that didn't have immune systems, and this was a study done at the University of Minnesota, scientists discovered that three weekly feedings of six gingerol, which is a, a derivative of ginger, delayed the growth of colorectal cancer cells. It's astounding. Um, universities, uh, University of Michigan researchers confirmed these results with ovarian cancer, which is banana. So it wasn't just one type of cancer. Now, in fact, they found that 
the ginger treatment of cultured ovarian cancer cells induced profound growth inhibition in all cell lines tested. Okay, so it wasn't just one or two. It wasn't even just the majority. It was every single one. Um, the executive director of the Herbal Medicine Research and Education Center, um, his name is Basil, and I, I, I don't even want to pronounce his last, or try to, uh, uh, Rufogallus, Basil Rufogallus, um, advised that the most likely way to administer ginger as a painkiller would be in the form of a tea taken several times a day. But more work needs to be done on the amount of ginger needed per dose to take effect and the time re required between doses. Now, um, this also helps with cancer because people who have cancer are in a lot of pain. Um, for most people, taking 1,000 milligrams of powdered ginger root is effective or just two drops of ginger oil two times daily. Um, and finally, diabetes. We've talked about diabetes before. Gingerols, again, which are uh, found in ginger, are widely known to naturally improve diabetes and enhance insulin sensitivity. So if we take this knowledge and we look at it, uh, there was a study done in 2006 in the Journal of, Agriculture, uh, of Agricultural and Food Chemistry and they discovered that they could also suppress sorbitol accumulation in human blood cells and sugar-fed rats. So basically to boil it down, ginger not only helps prevent and reverse diabetes, um, but it protects against and improves diabetic complications like diabetic retinopathy. So it can help stop diabetes, it can help reverse diabetes, it can help prevent diabetes, and it can help people um, who have diabetic complication. Okay, so the, let's talk about some of the best ways to use ginger. All right, there's a lot of ways to use it. You can use it raw. Um, you can just put raw slice of ginger in a smoothie if you want, or you can um, grate it and shave it and put it uh, like on your sushi if you have like avocado rolls or cucumber rolls, or just put it in a diffuser bottle and let it soak. Uh, you can, like I said, you can get ginger essential oil. Now this is the most potent form of ginger um, because it contains the highest levels of that property gingerol. This is the best way ginger can be used uh, as medicine. It can be taken internally to treat the health conditions we talked about before, or it can even be rubbed topically with what's called a carrier oil, um, which kind of di dilutes it a little bit. Um, and it can be put on like an area of pain. Typically two or three drops of an essential oil is the recommended therapeutic dose. Um, there's ginger tea. Now, it's, like I said before, it's, it's used a lot to relieve nausea and stomach problems and help relax the body. Um, you can have, you know, a cup or two or even three a day to re help reduce inflammation. I recommend adding like a little bit of raw honey or lemon and it, it kind of cuts the ginger a little bit, makes it taste a little better. Honey if you are uh, eating honey. A lot of, most vegans don't eat honey. I do. That's a whole different uh, story for a whole other time. And finally, ginger powder. You can get ground ginger powder from the grocery store, most grocery stores, and it's a great way, uh, it's a great, great way to use in cooking, okay? So you can just use it as a spice. You can also buy um, vegetarian empty capsules, like pill capsules. I know they have them at Sprouts grocery stores, um, and they come, you know, in half. 
and you can put two or three drops of the oil in there or scoop a little bit of the powder in there, you know, put the other half on and then just uh, swallow it if you really hate the taste of ginger. But I hope that enlightened you a little bit. I hope ginger is something that you'll take seriously and add to your diet. I hope you have a better understanding of Alzheimer's. I hope you have a better understanding about how your diet can play into Alzheimer's and how coronary artery disease uh, is a factor when it comes to Alzheimer's. And that can be 100% prevented with diet. Okay, so like I said, any questions, comments, concerns, email me, ryan at mainlyplants.com. And until next week, go eat a salad.